Welcome to Lose Lips, all the things you wanted to say but didn't know how to say it. Today's topic is preventing government shutdown again. So once again, we have averted a shutdown, but for how long? What is it going to take for the people that we elected to stop jerking everyone around and do what they were voted to do? The government keeps threatening to shut down because of a disagreement between the two major political parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, over how to fund the federal government. Now, the government needs money to pay for its operations and programs, and Congress has the power to decide how much money each federal agency gets every year. However, if Congress does not pass a budget or a temporary funding bill by the end of the fiscal year, which is September 30th, then the government runs out of money and has to shut down some of its services until a new funding agreement is reached. Now, this can cause a lot of problems for federal workers, contractors, businesses, and the public who rely on government services. Some of the effects of a government shutdown are federal employees and military personnel who are deemed essential have to work without pay until the shutdown ends, while those who are not essential are furloughed or temporarily suspended from work. This can cause financial hardship and stress for many workers and their families. Think in terms of what happened when COVID first hit and a lot of companies were furloughing and laying off people. National parks, museums, monuments, and other public spaces that are funded by the federal government are closed to visitors, affecting tourism and local businesses. Some states may use their own funds to keep certain national parks open, but this is not always guaranteed. Airports may experience delays and disruptions as some security and air traffic control are furloughed, reducing the number of flights that can operate safely. Travelers may also face longer lines at customs and immigration checkpoints. Some federal benefits and services may be delayed or suspended, such as veterans' health care, food stamps, tax refunds, student loans, passport applications, and environmental inspections. Some federal research and development projects may be halted or slowed down, affecting scientific progress and innovation. Some federal courts may have to reduce their operations or postpone cases affecting assets to justice and due process. I, for one, am tired of hearing the government is on the verge of another shutdown. It does not make sense that if you are elected, you can't get your job done. In private service, or any job for that matter, if you don't do your job, you are fired. Where are the principles of the people we elect? Have they forgotten that they work for the people and not for themselves? And these petty arguments they have are affecting the people that placed them there. I also find it interesting that during a shutdown when services are cut, their paychecks are not. A government shutdown can also have negative effects on the economy as consumer confidence and spending may decline and the stock market may react negatively. A prolonged shutdown can also damage the reputation and credibility of the U.S. government at home and abroad. I mean, think about it. When the threat of a shutdown happens, we make global news. Why? 
because United States is thought to be a superpower. And with superpower prestige comes certain responsibilities and actions. The world is watching the United States behave like children. Congress can't get along because of a phenomenon called political polarization, which means that two major parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, have become more ideology distant and hostile to each other over time. This makes it harder for them to cooperate and compromise on important issues, such as the budget, healthcare, immigration, and foreign policy. There are many factors that contribute to political polarization, such as the electrical system, which encourages candidates to appeal to their base voters and discourages moderates and independents from running or winning. The party structure and culture, which re rewards loyalty and conformity and punishes dissent and compromise. The media and social media, which expose people to more partisan information and opinions and create echo chambers and filter bubbles. The demographics and geography of the electorate, which create more homogenous and segregated districts and states that favor one party over the other. Now, political polarization has many negative consequences for the functioning of Congress and the quality of democracy. It can lead to legislative gridlock, policy instability, public distrust, and institutional decay. Some scholars and commentators have proposed various reforms to reduce polarization, such as changing the electoral rules, increasing civic education, promoting cross-party dialogue, and fostering a culture of respect and tolerance. However, these reforms may face many challenges and uncertainties, and there is no guarantee that they will work or even be adopted. So I ask myself, when will politicians start caring more about the people that voted them in instead of themselves? Some politicians may actually generally care about the public interest and try to serve the people as best as they can, while others may be more self-interested and corrupt and try to serve themselves or their donors and allies. Some politicians may face more pressure and accountability from the voters, the media, the courts, and other institutions that monitor and evaluate their actions, while others may enjoy more immunity and impunity from scrutiny and sanctions. Some politicians may have more power and influence to shape policies and outcomes, while others may have less or none. However, some possible ways to encourage or compel politicians to serve the people and not themselves are reforming the electoral system to make it more competitive, fair, and representative so that politi politicians have to win the trust and support of the people and not rely on money, manipulation, or fraud. Strengthening the checks and balances among the branches of government to prevent the abuse of power and corruption by any one branch or individual. Enhancing the transparency and accountability of government actions, 
and spending to expose or deter any wrongdoing or waste by politicians. Empowering the civil society and the media to monitor and report on the performance and conduct of politicians and to mobilize public opinion and action against any misconduct or failure. Educating the public about their rights and responsibilities as citizens and voters and encouraging them to participate actively and critically in the political process. I also wonder if politicians were not paid, how many people would actually run for office? I mean, think about it. Your local government, mayor, council, elected officials, the majority are not paid in smaller and more rural communities, but they serve for the betterment of the community. They are also, for the majority, part-time employees. When the politicians in the larger communities are full-time, they are paid, which is understandable because they need a job, they need an income. Why can't we make these politicians that we are voting for make a nominal salary at best and have them serve the people? If our tax dollars are going to be paying these idiot salaries, then they should be on par with the rest of America. Have you ever noticed that when a person goes to serve, all of a sudden they have newfound wealth? Why is that? Is it because they have been given either secret information where they can make a ton of money on a stock market, or have they been given the hand of a political lobbyist? These lobbyists make money. These corporations make money, all for their own benefit. And then the politicians seize money that they didn't know they could have. And they forget about the principles they ran when they were running. And they forget about the people that voted them in. And the next thing you know, they have been bought. So get rid of the lobbying, get rid of their exorbitant salaries, and get rid of insider trading within the chambers. Take away the sweet incentives and see who really runs, because then you will see who really wants to work for the people. It won't be about them, because there is nothing to gain. We talk about corruption in so many other corrupt um, countries, but look at our own doorsteps. Our Supreme Court is corrupt. Our politicians are corrupt. We even elected a corrupt president. It's time to put a stop to this madness. It's not enough to vote and be done with it for another two or four years. There needs to be accountability with these people. I, for one, am so tired of hearing about the government squabbles over stupid things. I mean, look, if the United States is looked upon as a superpower, then yes, we have responsibilities to other countries. And other countries are going to look to us as an example. Yes, when there are disasters, we will send food, clothing, medical supplies, personnel. Yes, when other countries are facing difficulties, we will send aid and weaponry so that they can defend themselves. This is not going to stop. It's not going to end. People want to come to the United States because it is the land of the free. And what we have here, they don't have. They believe that dreams can come true here. Think about that. Dreams come true here. No matter how much we are or think we are suffering, someone always has it worse off than us. 
I understand that there are a lot of people crossing the borders and we are no we are now building a wall to keep people out. But they will find a way in regardless. And even without this wall, think of why they are coming into our country. What do we have that they don't have? This is what it means to be an American. This is what it means to live in the United States. This is what it means to serve politically for our country. You are serving the people, not for yourselves. Yes, we still have our problems and they will be dealt with. Now that we have this temporary gap to fund the government until XYZ date, more progress needs to be made in the chambers. But we are only prolonging another date until it is finalized. I mean, fight all you want about who is a good or a bad president. But the truth is, when Trump was in power, he served himself and his corporate friends, which is why the debt ceiling is so high now. But now we have to deal with it. Trump is no longer in office. And for those Trump supporters who declare he was the best president ever, why did he have so many bankruptcies? Why is he in so many trials now? These are some of the possible ways to make politicians serve the people and not themselves, but they are not easy or guaranteed to work. They require a lot of effort, cooperation, and commitment from various actors and institutions in society. They also face many challenges and obstacles from those who benefit from the status quo or resist change. Ultimately, it is up to the people themselves to demand and ensure that their politicians serve them and not themselves. I'm actually going to stop now because I'm starting to get very heated over the entire stupid mess that is going on right now. But these are discussions that need to take place and happen for us to move forward. Yes, people are struggling. I am struggling. But it doesn't stop me from opening up my wallet or clearing out my clothes closet or even donating food to pantries, because I know and believe that even in my struggles, someone else has it worse than me and my family. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to Lose Lips, and until next time.